my car's had a little bit of it and leaking a little oil, so I need to figure out what's going on with it. <laughs> um, I want to read one scripture here, and just a reminder, um, it's one that we all know, and it says, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. So God works all things for the good. And even this cold weather is for the good. <laughs> All right, would you please stand? I don't have any announcements tonight, so let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for the blessings you've given us as we get ready to worship you and learn from your word tonight. I pray, Father, again, you will give us better insights into our relationship with you. Make it deeper. Give us a hunger and a thirst for your presence. And we honor and praise you in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. to the enemy's hand and I took back what he stole from me took back what he stole from me took back what he stole from me as I went to the Just the same. Come help me praise him. 
Continue to change me, God. Thank you, Jesus. Yes. When it looks like I'm surrounded by the enemy, and it feels like hope is far beyond my reach, I know the battle, I know the battle, I know the battle. The battle is yours, it's always yours, and I know the battle, I know the battle, I know the battle, the battle is yours, it's always yours, when the seas agree that they should rage against me, and the storm it pours its wrath upon me. There's a name that you're to save, it's never failing. Jesus, my salvation and my shield. And I know the battle, I know the battle, I know the battle. The battle is yours, it's always yours. And I know the battle, I know the battle. The battle is yours, it's always yours. And all we have to do is start singing, all we have to do is start praising your name. And the enemy runs away. Yes, all we have to do is start singing, all we have to do is start praising your name. I know the battle, I know the battle, I know the battle, the battle is yours, it's always yours, yes I know the battle, I know the battle, I know the battle, the battle is yours, it's always yours, and all we have to do is start singing, do is start praising your name, and the enemy runs away. Yes, all we have to do is start singing. All we have to do is start praising. 
praise you, Lord. Hallelujah. What a mighty God you are. Hallelujah. We praise your holy name, Lord. We lift up the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. There's just something about that word. Hallelujah. It says if we don't praise him, the rocks will, and they will cry out. So, Father, we praise you tonight. We sing hallelujah, praise the Lord. Lord, it says to praise you in your sanctuary, to praise you with timbrels and dancing and, 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 and cymbals and all the different instruments that we can think of, Lord, we are to give you praise. We praise you with our inmost being tonight. Even through the preaching of the word, Lord, we give you praise. And we lift up the name of Jesus, for his name is great. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen, amen. You may be seated. Well, good evening. I like, I like the word hallelujah. It means praise the Lord. All right, we're... Back into the book of James, and so if you have your Bibles, you're welcome to go with me to the book of James. And we're in James chapter 5. We're almost, we're going to be finishing up this book uh, tonight, hopefully. <clears throat> Thank you, worship team. They always do such a wonderful job, don't they? Uh, yeah, <laughs> she gave a good clap offering. All right, James chapter 5, we're going to be looking in verses 13 through 20 tonight, and then we're going to pray. So, James chapter 5, verses 13 through 20. I'm going to turn this on first. Oh, okay. Well, All right, James chapter 5, verse 13. Is any one of you in trouble, he should pray. Is anyone happy? Let him sing songs of praise. Is any one of you sick? He should call the elders of the church to pray over him and anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise him up. If he has sinned, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. Elijah was a man just like us. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. My brothers, if one of you should wander from the truth, and someone should bring him back, remember this, whoever turns a sinner from the error of his way will save him from death and cover over a multitude of sins. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, as we finish this book and this letter that James wrote to the early church, I pray, Father, that we will remember all that was said in it, the things that we learned. And I pray what we learned tonight will get deep down in our hearts that you're still a God that heals. You're still a God that delivers. You're still a God that hears our prayers. And Father, I pray right now that tonight, whoever needs to hear this, it will be seated deep down in their heart. The Lord, you'll give them something new tonight. The old is gone, the new has come. Again, as your vessel speak through me, that what you want to say tonight, through your word, in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. So, we're, we're in the book of James. We're in the last part of it. You know, last week we looked at 
different things about suffering, about grumbling, about the Lord coming back. And uh, that's one thing I love about going through the books of the Bible is you learn a lot of different things. And some of these letters, they'll, they'll throw in a lot of different things that pertain to our life. And so James finishes this whole letter to, the, to that church by talking about prayer. Now, is prayer important in our life? It is. It's very important. It's our connection with God. It's how we relate to Him. It's how we fellowship. It's communication. They said 66% of a marriage is made up of communication. And so if, if marriage, 66% of a marriage is made up of communication, how much are our relationship with God? How many of us actually communicate with Him? Now, I'm going to say this. How many of us actually listen to Him? How many of us spend more time talking than listening? Um, so there's a lot of things to learn about prayer. So James is going to talk about it. I like this in the verse, verse 13. He says, is any one of you in trouble? He should do what? Pray. So that brings up the one. When should we pray? Always, really. The answer is always. James now points out when we're in trouble, but it, the answer is always. We should always pray. Paul says, always be in prayer and pray for the saints. In fact, hold your spot here. This is not my notes, but go with me to Philippians. We were just in Philippians this morning, but Philippians chapter 4. Or no, actually, I'm taking it back. It's not Philippians chapter 4. It's Ephesians chapter 6. And please forgive me. Ephesians chapter 6. I was getting it mixed up with another scripture. So Ephesians chapter 6. Look in verse, verse 18. I got it right now. Everybody on, on track here. So Ephesians chapter 6, you remember he's talking about the armor of God, and then verse 18, look what he says. And pray in the Spirit on all what? All occasions. That means occasions when you're feeling good. That means when you're driving in the car. That means when you're at somebody's house or dealing with the dog or cat. Our cat gets out and runs off in this cold weather. I didn't want him getting out of the house. He'll sit right by the door to try to sneak out. He says, on all occasions, that means when you're happy, when things are going good, and when things are going what? Bad. Pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. Now, I could probably take a, ask for a hand, uh, hands tonight. How many of you have a lot of prayer requests from God or for God? Can I tell you, God never gets tired of you praying to Him? Do you ever think, man, God, do you ever get tired of me talking to you? No, He loves His children to talk to Him. I love to hear my kids in Walmart when I'm going through there. It helps me know where they're at. I can always tell where my kids are. If, now, the other day I couldn't because there were so many people. And I left my cell phone at home because it died. And so I was charging it. And Stacy took off in one direction. I went to another. Because we, we usually uh, kill two birds at one stone. You know, you, she gives me a list and then she takes a list. And then she double checks it to make sure I got it right because I'm always forgetting something. I'm a man. But uh, anyways... If I can't find my wife, I listen for those little kids' voices. My kids. And God knows your voice. And he says, pray in the Spirit. Notice the word Spirit is capitalized. It's referring to the Holy Spirit. You and I, the wonderful thing that we're Pentecostals, right? We believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And when you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, we have a connection to God. We're allowed to pray in the Spirit in our prayer language, which we call tongues. And there's times when I don't know what to pray, and so I just begin to pray in the Spirit. I begin to pray in tongues. 
Now let me show you how this works. When you pray in tongues or you pray in the Spirit, the Holy Spirit prays through you His will to be done. Because a lot of times when we pray, it's tainted with selfishness, right? What we want to be accomplished or what we want to be done. But God will pray through us His will. I was listening to Willie George. Anybody know who Willie George is? You might not know him. He pastors Church on the Move. And uh, he had moved from Texas up to Tulsa. He knew the Lord had called him up there. He was living in, uh, they call it Section 8 housing, which is governmental housing. When he, he and his wife, he said they didn't even have a couch. I think they just barely had a, a, a little table that they made out of cardboard or something. Or I don't remember what it was. But he was struggling. Lord, is this really where you wanted me to go? So he went over to Oral Roberts University where the praying hands are. And he began to pray in tongues. He began to pray in the Spirit. And he prayed for about a half an hour. And he gave himself the interpretation. You know, you can do that. It's in the Bible. In fact, go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter... I think it's in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Or that's the love part. 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Let's go to 12 or... I'll figure this one out. Just be careful. Uh, uh, wait for me on it, okay? Let me find it here. Okay. Let's look in chapter 14 here. Look at me in verse 4. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 4. Again, these aren't in my notes, but I think it's important that we know this. Look what he says. He says, he who speaks in a tongue does what to himself? He edifies himself. Now, prophecy edifies the church. So when somebody speaks in tongues and another person interprets that, that edifies the church. But when we pray in tongues, we edify who? Ourselves. We need to be edified. We need to be strengthened. I've got to wonder if King David spoke in tongues. We don't know. We know he prophesied. And I've got to wonder in 2 Samuel chapter 30 when he said he had to strengthen himself. In the Lord, I've got to wonder if he just began to pray in the Spirit. Because he mentions in the scripture, he says, Lord, take not thy Holy Spirit, what? From me. So he says, he who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but he who prophesies edifies the church. And then he says, I would like every one of you to speak in tongues, but I would rather have you prophesy. Again, he's talking about interpretation. And he says, he who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues, unless he interprets so that the church may be edified. I, I'm going to go a little bit farther. Now, brothers, if I come to you and speak in tongues, what good will it be to you unless I bring you some revelation or knowledge or prophecy of instruction? Now, later on, you will see later on in this passage and in chapter 12 where he talks about pro, uh, speaking in tongues and then prophesying. So Willie George is out there. And so if you want to read a little bit, I didn't have my notes tonight to go show you exactly where it's at, but read chapter 12, 13 and 14. How many of you guys know who Max Lucado is? Do you know, when he turned 64, I think it was about a year or two ago, he said he was praying and he was reading that scripture, a desire the greater gifts in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. And he thought, Lord, I want some more gifts. I mean, this is Max Licato. How many books has he written? More than you could probably count. And he has some wonderful things to say about the word of God. But he said he was, he was reading that scripture for two weeks. He prayed that prayer and read that scripture every day. And he said one day he was standing there and all of a sudden he began to pray in tongues. 64 years old, he gets baptized in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues. And we believe that. I believe it's the, first, the initial evidence of being baptized in the Holy Spirit. And I can go into a whole doctrine tonight about that, but that's not what we're talking about tonight. So we're talking about prayer. Praying in the Spirit. 
So go back with me to Ephesians real quick. And pray in the Spirit, verse 18, in chapter 6, in all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. How many of you have got requests from God tonight? If you don't, it's okay. You need requests. It's okay to request from God. It's very quiet in here tonight. Do you guys pray? I know you do. I'm just teasing you. With this in mind, be alert and keep Always keep on praying for all the saints. Notice they're praying for other people. There's something about when you begin to pray for other people, God will sometimes, I'm not saying always, will answer your prayer. There's something about it. It's the, it's the nature of God. It's his attributes. So we should pray when? On all occasions. We should be praying all the time. I pray all the time. And it doesn't have to be long prayers. It could be just quick prayers. You know, Jesus, when he would uh, pray healing over people, he didn't say these big old long prayers like some of us preachers do sometimes. And he didn't get all loud sometimes. He would just say, you're healed. Your faith, your, your faith has made you well. Get up and walk. Maybe we should start doing that. Oh, okay, you need prayer? Okay, get up and walk. Right, go ahead and see. Everybody's looking at me, but he says we're going to do greater things than him. He can do those things. We're his vessels. All right, so let's go back to James here. When should we pray? Well, always. And then James tells us this. We should also pray when we are in what? Trouble. <clears throat> so listen to Psalm 50:15 says, And call on me in the day of what? Trouble. I will deliver you and you will honor me. When God delivers us, we should be giving him honor, and most of us would be, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus, right? That bill came in. That money came in to pay for that bill. Oh, yeah, you're going to be like, thank you, Lord, right? You should be anyways, or we should be. So it says, call on me. First of all, you got to call on him. That's called prayer, right? When should we pray? When we're in trouble. Call on me in the day of trouble, and then I like this. He says, I will do what? I will deliver you. Look at Psalm 118.5. When hard pressed, I cried to the Lord. He brought me into a spacious place. When hard pressed, I cried to the Lord and he brought me into a spacious place. So when he was hard pressed, what did he do? He cried to the Lord. A spacious place, he wraps us in his arms. It's like a, 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 a in the scripture, it talks about him being a, a hen, putting her wings over the chicks. Do you know, a, a, I don't know a lot about chickens, but our neighbor had a bunch of them. And we would watch that when the storms would come in, because in Washington, where we lived, it rained all the time. And so those, those chicks, when it'd get windy and cold, they'd run up underneath her wings, and they would put the wings, it was the coolest thing. I got to see scripture come to life. That's what God does to us. We can run underneath the shadow of his wings. The word trouble here comes from the Greek word kakapatheo, which means to undergo hardships or hardship. Be afflicted, endure afflictions or hardness, suffer trouble. So James is referring back to the first church of his letter 
to this church about trouble, hardships, afflictions. Let's go back to chapter 1 real quick. Chapter 1, look in verses 2 through 5. So he's talking about afflictions. When he says, if, when you are in trouble, you should pray. If you're afflicted, if you're dealing with issues, if there's hardships, take it to the Lord in prayer. I love that song. Take it to the Lord in what? Prayer. Look what it says here in James chapter 1, verse 2. Remember this when we, we started this series off. He says, consider it pure or full or complete joy. My brothers, when you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops endurance within you, spiritual endurance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If anyone lacks wisdom, he should do what? Ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. But when he asks, he must believe and not doubt, because he who doubts is like the wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That man should not think he will receive anything from the Lord. He is double-minded, unstable in all he does. The reason why I ended with that last part is he's, again, he's talking about there's trouble, there's trials, right? James is kind of referring back to what he said before. He's adding on to that. It's funny how he begins with that and he ends with that. He begins with troubles, he ends with trouble by saying this is how you deal with it, through prayer. And in that same chapter, he talks about when we pray, believe that God's going to give you the answer or the wisdom on how to handle that situation. Oftentimes we think, oh, he's not hearing me. Did God really hear me? Is God really answering? Why hasn't it happened yet? Well, God has a thing called timing, right? Is there timing? It's just like my kids, they want something. My, my, my daughter's already talking about a car. But the timing hasn't come yet. They're still two years away and I'm praying. Right? If any of you is in trouble, you should pray. Some of you have already been there before. Let's go back to chapter 5 here. When should we pray? Well, we should do it when we're in trouble. We should do it on all occasions. And when we're happy. It's okay to pray when you're happy. We often forget about God when things are going. But that should be the time that we go, Oh, thank you, God, for the blessings you've given me. Did you know worship is a form of prayer? What we did tonight in worship is prayer. You're praying to God. How many of you guys pay attention to the lyrics when you're worshiping? There are power, or there is power in the lyrics of songs. I like some of the old, I love that. Look what the Lord has done, right? There's power in those. Look what he's done. He healed my body. He touched my mind. And then you do a little swing. You know, I used to have a pastor that would turn around in a circle. He saved me just in time. There are, there's power in lyrics. I like, how great thou art. Or, what a friend I have in Jesus. All of those songs are prayer. It's a form of prayer. So he says, is any one of you happy? Let him sing songs of praise. How many of you have ever sang songs of praise? How about in the shower? Hey, I can do it and nobody judges me for it. <laughs> 
And it sounds good because it echoes off the, you know, I, you think you're a good singer when you're in the shower until you get outside and go, oh, I guess it's not all that. I'm a little pitchy, right? So, again, when should we pray? When we're happy. So how do we pray when we are happy? Again, through song and how about this one, thankfulness. James has the same advice for both the suffering one and the cheerful one. Take it all to the Lord. In fact, the two commands could be reversed. Sufferers could sing also, and the cheerful should also pray. I, I, I remember when we first moved to Upton, and Brianna was, she was three years old, and uh, church had just, I just had preached a sermon on praising God in the midst of circumstances. Well, nobody was paying attention to our daughter, and she took off. And there's woods everywhere. I mean, this town is surrounded by woods. And so we're looking for her. We had the town looking for her. The police were looking for her. It had been like two and a half hours. We couldn't find our daughter. And I'm sitting there thinking, and the Lord said, Hi, you remember your sermon? So I just said, Okay, Lord, I praise you. I praise you, Lord. I praise you. I give you glory. I give you glory. And all of a sudden, he dropped my heart, checked the house across the street. Well, I'd already checked it. Nobody answered. It was a yellow trailer right across the street from our house. So the Lord said, No, go check it and go inside. So I checked the doorknob, <laughs> looked around, <laughs> opened the door. I went upstairs, opened up the kitchen, and there she was just playing with a balloon. There's something about praise in the midst of your circumstances. The song that we sang comes from Jehoshaphat, 2 Chronicles chapter 20. Remember, you've heard me talk about this. The armies were coming against him. He didn't know what to do. Lord, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. And they set a fast and prayer to seek the Lord and God gave him a word the battle is not yours but mine and as they begin to worship and pray and praise the Lord God sent an ambush against all those armies and they attacked each other Satan hates worship he can't understand it things are going bad how can they still give God praise remember Job Listen, 1 Thessalonians 5.18, Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. You want to know what God's will is for you? To give Him thanks in all circumstances. Boy, that's tough. Come on, let's be real. Is that easy sometimes? You're in the middle of something, right? It could be a medical thing. I just left the church this morning, and I had a, a little puddle of oil underneath the van. And I get to the house, and I'm going, well, we'll know if it's ours because it'll show up on the concrete. Yep, there it was. Hallelujah. Praise you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Right? That wasn't my first thought. Oh, what am I going to do? But he says to give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. People wonder what God's will is for them. Well, be thankful for the circumstances. Philippians 4, 6, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation or in everything, by prayer and petition with what? Thanksgiving. Present your requests to God. Again, that's not always easy, but sometimes it's not by feeling, it's by action. We have to force ourselves to do that. So when you do that, then it says later on in that verse, and the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. That's the peace of God. 
How about this one, Colossians 4.2? Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. Devotion means uh, 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 to, to put all of your heart into it. Hey, we're to, as believers, to put all of our heart into what? Prayer. Devote yourselves to prayer. How many of us devote ourselves to prayer? How many of us have set aside a time for prayer? It's really quiet in here tonight. I love it. <laughs> Being watchful and what? Thankful. You notice prayer and thankfulness go together. Psalm 28, 7. The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusts in him and he helps me. My heart leaps for joy and with my song I praise him. So when should we pray? When we are sick. Let's look back at the verse here. So we should pray him when we're in trouble. We should pray him on all occasions. When we're happy and when we're sick. Verse 14, is any one of you sick? He should call the elders of the church to pray over him and anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. So we pray him when we're what? Sick. Of course, it's not wrong to go to a doctor. God gave us doctors, but go to him first. He's the great physician. If you're not feeling good, the other day we, were, we weren't feeling good. I, I could tell we were fighting a fire. And Stacy and I just decided to do this. Nope, in the name of Jesus, I'm not going to get sick. Nope, I'm not going to do it. Satan, you get your hands off me. You know what? My back pain went, went away. It went away. Her, her back pain went away. And uh, it, it just kind of, I believe God answers that quick. And I don't think it was the ibuprofen I took because I took it after I prayed. The word sick here comes from the Greek word astheneo, which means to be weak, feeble, to be without strength, powerless, to be weak in means, needy, poor, to be feeble, sick, be diseased. And then this one, I, it was part of the definition, but impotent man. So I, didn't, I was wondering if I should even put that on there, but it was part of the definition. But what it's saying there is if it's a physical need, if you're weak, physically weak, or you're poor, or, or you're feeble, or you're sick or diseased, God wants to heal you. I mean, think about in the New Testament. When Jesus went around healing people, what did he do? He healed the sick and the diseased. Now, can I ask you a question? Has Jesus changed? No, the Bible says he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So if he's the same yesterday... He's the same today and he's the same forever. That means his countenance doesn't change. That means his attributes don't change. And what he does doesn't change. So he is still in the healing business. Yeah, that's a wonderful thing to think about. The hard part is we know this, but it's hard to put it into practice. It's hard to get our mind in motion with our body. When Jesus died on the cross, what did he take upon himself? Let's go to Isaiah 53. Well, yeah, one of them's in. Let's go to Isaiah 53. <clears throat> Look at me in verses 4 and 5. This is speaking about Jesus. Isaiah wrote this 800 years before the birth of Christ. It's prophetic. Surely he took up our infirmities and carried our sorrows, yet we considered him stricken by God, smitten by him, and afflicted. 
But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our inequities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And by his wounds we are what? Healed. So the first one, verse 4, he took up our infirmities. Infirmities here is the Hebrew word, and I, mine's I got squares. It didn't come up right. Which means malady, anxiety, calamity, disease, grief, or sickness. So Jesus took up diseases, our diseases. He took up our grief. He took up our calamity. He took up our anxiety. Anybody deal with anxiety? He took up sickness. All those things he took upon himself on the cross. We often think about the sin part of it, and we're going to look at that in a minute. But we forget about the other things that he took upon himself. There's so much more to salvation. That should be something to be excited about. Jesus just, oh, just your sins. That's all right. No, no, you're sick. Too bad. Right? Do you ever do that? Your kid, oh, you're all right. Get up. You're fine. You're not bleeding that bad. You're not dead. But that's not what Jesus does. He goes, oh, by the way, I have healing for you. And we don't teach that enough sometimes in churches because we're worried that it's going to be some kind of weird thing that's going to get off. Listen, Jesus is in the healing business. So he took up our infirmities. He carried our what? Sorrows. The word sorrow comes from the Hebrew word, and I got it because it doesn't show up here. Why? I don't know why it's doing that to me. But anyways, it's definitely ma. I, I usually have it typed up there, and for some reason it didn't... It, Got rid of it. Anyways, it must be a copyright thing. Sorrow here comes from the Hebrew word, which means pain, sorrow. Pain, physical pain, mental anguish, or figuratively affliction or grief. So you see that it doesn't just deal with the physical, it deals with the mental, which is still physical, but it's dealing with your mental, your thoughts. So Jesus came to heal those that have mental issues, that have mental problems. I know that the, the pastor, he pastors an Assemblies of God church in Minnesota. I think it's the largest AG church in Minnesota. And his son has autism. And they prayed, and his son got healed of autism. Is not God still in the healing business? God can heal our sorrow. Sorrow is like things that have happened to us, the grief, the things that pain us. He can heal our physical pain. Anguish. How many of you have ever been in anguish before? Boy, I was in anguish the day I killed my cat. I'm sorry. Animals become part of your family and it breaks your heart to lose one. How about affliction? So he took up not only our infirmities, diseases, and sicknesses. He took up our mental issues, our physical issues, our, our grief. And then look, he was pierced for what? Our transgressions. Verse 5. The word transgression, and I'm not going to say the Hebrew word because that one actually showed up, I think. It means trespass, sin, or rebellion. Now, we were born into rebellion. When Adam and Eve ate that fruit, the minute they ate that fruit, that was rebellion. Because the one, one of the things Satan said to us, you will be, your eyes will be open and you will be like God. They rebelled against what God had told them to do. It's just flat out sin. So Jesus, that comes back to the thing, he took sin upon himself. He took our rebellion upon himself. You and I, when we were born in this life, we were born rebellious. We all had a rebellious spirit. We were rebels without a cause. 
No, everybody knows that movie, right? James Dean. <laughs> Sorry, sometimes I just, that's just me. This is the way I fly. So he took our infirmities, our sicknesses, our griefs, our afflictions, our mental problems, and our rebellion or sin upon himself. Then look at this one. He was crushed for our inequities. What's the difference between that and sin or rebellion? The word inequities comes from the Hebrew word, it's avon, or avon, and it's perversity, depravity, guilt, or punishment of inequity. It literally means shame. So here's the wonderful thing. I want you to think about this for a minute. The day you got saved, Jesus took all of that on the cross 2,000 years ago. It was like he took it on himself 2,000 years. The minute you got saved, you get to be a part of that transaction. Does that change your perspective? So now the guilt's gone, right? Remember the guilt of condemnation? You get saved, all that weight is lifted off of your shoulders. The, the shame of doing those things. He took all of this upon himself, and by his wounds, we have been what? Healed. Healed means by his wounds, we have been healed. Not maybe, not sometime in the future, but we've already been healed. Healed here comes from the Hebrew rapha, which means heal, physician, to cure, repaired. Miscellaneous, the reason why they put miscellaneous is because there's a lot of things that he can heal. You got a stub toe tonight? Jesus can heal that. You got an issue with, with, with one of your ears or something? I don't know. Only God knows that. Maybe I'm prophetically speaking. Hey, pastor, I have an ear problem. You didn't know that. God can heal that. He, he does, he's in the repairing business. I'm saying all this tonight because he says, if you're in trouble, you should pray. So if we have all these things in Christ, we should be praying that God fulfills them in us. D. James says we should go to prayer when we are in trouble, happy and sick. All things mentioned in Isaiah covers our trouble and sickness. So how should we pray? All right, let's go back to James. Again, remember, he's... He's a pastor speaking to his church. So James is speaking to you tonight. You're, you're God's church. You're his people. He's the good shepherd. We're all the sheep, right? He's speaking to all of us tonight. So how should we pray? Well, let's look. We should call the elders of the church to do what? To pray over us. Is any one of you sick, he should call the elders of the church to pray over him and anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. So elder here is the word presbytus or presbyter, where we get our word presbyter from, which means the Christians who presided over the assemblies or churches, that'd be your deacons, your pastor. That doesn't mean we're all anointed and doesn't mean you can't pray for each other. Do you guys understand that? That's not what he's saying there. But there's, there is an order sometimes that God has. That doesn't mean I'm any better than you guys or our deacons are anybody that, better than anybody. It's just the process by which God wants to use it. Does that make sense tonight? Okay. I just want to make sure you're not inferior to any presbyter or pastor. That's, we're all on the same. We all come. There's no respect to persons. Let's just put it that way. So the New Testament uses the term bishop, elders, and presbyters interchangeably. The reference, therefore, is doubtless to the ordinary religious teachers of the congregation. The officers of the church entrusted with spiritual interest. The spirit of the command would embrace those who are pastors and any other to whom the spiritual interests of the congregation are confided. 
ruling elders, deacons, etc., if the allusion is to the ordinary office of the church. It is evident that the, that, that the cure to be hoped for by James 5.15 was not miraculous, but was that to be expected in the use of appropriate means accompanied by prayer. Did you all get that? I know I talk fast sometimes, and I swear, I promise you, I didn't drink caffeine this afternoon. I did yesterday. But he says to go to the elders. That's why sometimes we have, uh, you know, we'll have a line, and the pastors and the elders are to be praying because God has raised them up within the church to be leaders. Now, again, that doesn't mean we can't pray for each other. Some of the greatest prayers have been when I've broken people up into groups and prayed for each other. Some of the greatest healings have happened then. Some of the greatest uh, uh, acts and moves of God have happened. I've seen people baptized in the Holy Spirit, never been baptized in the Spirit, and there's just ordinary people praying, going, hey, let's pray for them. You receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Poof, bam, just like that. Because God's no respecter of persons. But I do believe that there are certain things that he asks us to do, and James is pointing that out. Notice the emphasis on the word call. Look what it says. Is any one of you sick, he should call the elders of the church. So I like this. I had to grab another commentary. You guys see me use a lot of commentaries, but they're so good, I have to use them sometimes. It may be added as worthy of the note that the apostle says they should call for the elders of the church. That is, they should send for them. They should not wait for them to hear of their sickness, as they might happen to, but they should cause them to be informed of it. And give them an opportunity of visiting them and praying with them. Nothing is more common than for persons and even members of the church to be sick a long time and to presume that their pastor or leaders must know all about it. And then they wonder that he does not come to see them and think hard of them because he does not. Now, I'm not picking on you as a congregation. That's not what I meant when I shared this, okay? I'm not saying you're doing that. Pastor, what are you trying to tell me? That's not what I'm saying. What he's saying there, what Barnes is saying there is if you got a problem, call us, Right? If you can't get a hold of me, there's some way. Leave a message. Get a, I, will, I will return your call. I'm not saying you guys do that, okay? I understand it. You guys know I love you. I'm not picking on you or anything. That's not what I'm saying. Okay. Because uh, I got looks like, Pastor, what are you saying? No, that's not what. Barnes said it, not me. That's his commentary. So how should we pray? We should not only seek the elders of the church, but pray and anoint them with oil. Now, oil in the old, in, 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 during these times was of medicinal purposes. They used it for medicine, medicine. Just like we go to the doctor to get medicine, okay? But I also think oil, now it doesn't say it in my notes here, but oil is also representative of the Holy Spirit. There's something about it. Um, in fact, when I went to Saudi Arabia in 1999, they still use oils for medicinal purposes. We do. We, that, that's just come on in the last few years. Deterra, anybody hear of that Deterra? You know, you put it in your little diffuser, you put it in there, you, you put some... Uh, on guard to kill germs and you put lavender i mean lavender will make you sleepy and you know and you, you put you see what i'm saying that breathe helps you breathe better so it was for a medicinal purpose again look at verse uh, mark chapter 6 verse 13 they drove out many demons and anointed many sick people with oil and healed them so we're not doing wrong by grabbing anointing oil I think I've shared this with you, but I want to share it again. It's a great illustration. It's the best illustration I got, and so you'll hear it about two or three, maybe five or six times. But remember, I shared this with Don Couch, my old presbyter up in East Tulsa, Assembly of God. He had a young man. He told me this story. He said he had a young man that just got saved, and he had a family member that was in the hospital. I think it was his grandmother or, or, or uncle or something. It was, a, it was a relative. 
And the young man thought, well, you know, I just got saved and they anointed him with oil. So he took a bottle of oil into the hospital and poured it. I could just imagine what the nurses thought when they saw that. Poured it and they were it, like, they were dying. Healed them. That night they got healed. That's childlike faith. Just got saved. Well, you know, hey, the Bible says it. You know what happens with us that have been serving the Lord tonight? Well, I haven't seen much healing, so I guess is it really going to work? Right? And now we normally act. We need to have childlike faith. Hey, you know what? You're sick. Give me a gallon of oil. You know? So it says they drove out, the disciples drove out many demons and anointed many sick people with oil and healed them. Luke 10, 34 he went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring Jesus the Samaritan, the Good Samaritan, remember? Pouring an oil, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey and brought him to the inn and took care of him. So it was for medicinal purposes, too. So according to Burdick, the word for anoint here is not the usual one used in the New Testament, but has more of a medicinal meaning to it. Oil is still used today for medicinal purposes. I've already mentioned this. So how should we pray? In Jesus' name and in faith. Let's look in verse 15. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person what? Well, the Lord will raise him up. If he has sinned, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. Notice he says in verse 14, he says... Anoint him with oil in, in the name of the what? The Lord. In the name of the Lord. In Jesus' name. There's power in his name. We, gotta, we can't forget that there is power in the name of Jesus. Even when you're worshiping, there's power in the name of Jesus. His name is powerful. I mean, he, think about it. Demons flee when they hear the name of Jesus. Let's go to Acts chapter 3 real quick. Acts chapter 3. I think we're going to, might be just finishing with this tonight but and pick up next week where we left off. But look at Acts chapter 3. Remember the gate beautiful? I'm going to read verses 1 through 10. So Acts chapter 3 verse 1 says, one day, one day Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at 3 in the afternoon. Now a man crippled from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple court. So here's this man. This is the temple. John and Peter are getting ready to go worship the Lord. Man, having church at 3 in the afternoon. Different culture, right? So they go into the church, they're getting ready to go, and they probably saw this guy every day that they went into the temple court sitting there at the gate Beautiful. They knew this guy. Other people, now here's the important thing. Other people had saw this guy. They knew that he was going to be put there. Verse 3, when, when he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Hey, you know, here we, we have the old saying, alms for the poor, right? But that's probably what he was doing. Hey, I need some money. Verse 4, Peter looked straight at him as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver or gold, I do not have. But what I give you, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. 
Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. I can't, man, Peter's just like, you know what? It's going to happen. You're not getting up. I'm going to help you. Oof. And he picks him up, and immediately the guy begins walking. But whose name did they pray in? In Jesus' name. Guys, we carry the name of Jesus. Therefore, when we tap into it, the Holy Spirit moves, and God can do these things. Verse 8, he jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. That was a testimony to those around him that what can happen in the name of Jesus can happen through us, through prayer. That's a beautiful picture. Next week, we're going to look at the faith part of it. It's 8 o'clock. So, do you need prayer tonight? I'm, I'm going to put you on the spot. Who needs prayer tonight? Raise your hand. Okay, two of you. Anybody else? All right. I'm going to ask you to, if you don't mind coming up, I'm going to pray with you. I'm going to turn off my mic. You guys are welcome to...